Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on the Budget, a podcast by the Joint Public Issues team. I'm Rue and with me today is Paul Morrison. Hi, Paul. It's good to be chatting with you again. Uh, We're recording this podcast on the 15th of March 2023, just after the budget has been announced by the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt. So for the next 10 minutes, we're going to have a little chat about the impact of the budget, particularly thinking about those people who are experiencing poverty and destitution. So, Paul, was there any good news in the budget today for people who experience poverty and destitution? There were some changes in universal credit which feel positive. The big one that feels positive, so so universal credit, for those who don't know, is the main benefit given to people who are on low incomes, often in work, but sometimes not in work. But for that group, they get support with childcare. And up to now, you've had to pay for that a month in advance and then give the receipts into the DWP and then a month later you got the money back, which meant that when people started work, they had to borrow. And that's a really bad way. That's just a bad a bad start to being in work and it caused all sorts of difficulties and late payments and things caused real problems. So now they've announced that not only will the amount go up so that it actually covers a bit more of your childcare costs, but it will be paid in advance which means that people won't have to go into debt. And and for the people that affects, that's a really big thing. And it's something that we've been calling for for a long time and across the sector been calling for a long time. So that's that's great news. Another piece of sort of might be great, might not be great news is that the work capability assessment, which is a test to say whether you're sick enough or disabled enough to qualify for certain benefits is going to be scrapped. Now, the work capability assessment is hated, utterly hated, and it's been the source of any number of scandals. My my, my favourite story is that I went up to a group up in Glasgow, and they called the Work Capability Test Centre Lourdes, because you went in sick, but it didn't matter what happened, you came out cured. You came out as if you fit for work. And people have disliked it for a decade, um, it's announced that it's going. I say that it's questionable because they haven't announced what's going to replace it. And what replaces it's the real question. But at least that's hopeful, but a bit, I think, nervously hopeful is where, where, where we are with that. The budget in general, it will have an impact basically on everyone. Uh, who lives in this country. Uh, For some people, it may make them marginally more comfortable or a lot more comfortable. And for other people, it may cause them to enter hardship or enter deeper into hardship. Who in our neighbourhoods and communities do you think will be most affected by the budget today? Well, the budget, today's budget, lots of the things that affect people in the next financial year, because budgets are aimed at the next financial year, were actually announced at the last budget in in November. So once you hit hit April, there are some things that are gonna happen. And one of the things that was announced today that's really helpful, it was was well-trailed, is that the capping of energy bills is going to go on for another, is going to go on for another three months, which is great. But eventually the full or the much higher energy bills are gonna hit, but they're gonna hit a bit later. 
The other big thing that is helpful was announced in November, which is that, as you know, people who have got low income or low incomes get an extra cost of living payment of about, uh, well, next year it will be £900 or £150 if you have a disability or £300 if you are a pensioner. So those payments were announced before, but they're coming in April. So that's good news. And it's important to give governments credit for the good news they did, even if it wasn't announced today. For some people, it is going to be really bad news. And again, I got, the thing that has, has riled me all day is the stuff around uh, sanctioning people on benefits. So the government has said that it is going to enforce sanctions more rigorously and that it's going to make it's going to expose more and more people to sanctions now sanctions are you're given a list of things to do and if you don't do them you have your benefits taken off you and that list is often very harsh is often very difficult to do there's all sorts of problems the main reason people get sanctioned is actually they're just late to the job center for whatever reason that's going to be enforced more rigorously, and I don't quite know what that means. But let's be absolutely clear. Sanctions cause hardship. They're one of the big reasons why people end up in food banks. And the government has repeatedly said we need sanctions because it's going to force people to go into work. Problem is, there's no evidence to support that. Not only that, the government has an internal review, which it refused to publish, essentially saying the same thing. And it was just three weeks ago, they were forced by the information commissioner to release that report. So they are expanding a policy that their own internal review, as well as all the academic evidence and all the evidence of people who were exposed to those things, to these sanctions, say that does not work. So the question is, why make a big thing of saying, I am going to be harsher on benefit claimants and give them more sanctions if you know that it does not work. And I think that says a lot about how we view benefit claimants. I think being tough on benefit claimants shouldn't be a badge of honor for a chancellor. Being fair to benefit claimants, being a partner to benefit claimants as they try to get on with their lives is what should be the badge of honor. It's fantasy budget time, Paul. Uh, We do spend quite a bit of our time rightly calling out the policy that we think is going to be really detrimental to people's well-being. People sometimes respond to us and ask, well, what would you do differently? What kind of policies would you love to see put in place in a fantasy budget? There needs to be an overriding ambition. Now, the overriding ambition of this budget was to try squeeze some growth out of the British economy. And that's something that we've essentially been failing to do since the since things leveled out after the pandemic. But actually, the two big challenges we face are that there are lots of people who are struggling to make ends meet, who are facing two and a half million people live in destitution in Britain, the sixth largest economy in the world. That's an extraordinary thing to have to say. And the other big challenge is that we know that our economic activity is damaging and in some places destroying the environment. Now, setting policies up to every policy should be focused on challenging those two things. So the biggest spending that was announced today was around 10 billion a year 
in tax reliefs for business investment, which you can say it's a good or a bad idea, but they weren't conditional. So you got that money if you invested in whatever you wanted. But wouldn't it be great if you got that money if you invested in things like green technologies or not not even specific green technology? You just looked at your business and said, I'm going to cut my carbon dioxide emissions by 10%. I'm going to cut my material use through, through our processes. We're going to chip away at these things that are causing our society problems. That's how you got at those, as well as as, as well as uh, sort of the normal things of business. Wouldn't it be great if you got at those tax reliefs and you got if you paid the living wage, the real living wage? Wouldn't it be great if you had be- if we said it was about reducing the pay differentials between the lowest and the highest paid in your in your company? We could shape almost all of those policies that affect business to say, you get the full benefit of them if you do things that society actually thinks are a good idea. So my fantasy budget would be not to change very much, but to look at each and every policy and say, how can you use it to push business and to push individuals in the right direction? My final question today is bearing in mind that some people will be listening to this podcast who are finding uh, paying their bills and um, Uh, having a good quality of life is really tricky at the minute Uh, and there are other people who might be in a position to help uh, but don't know how to help Um, what can people do or where can people go for help i think it's really important to say that food banks which is probably the most visible part of the work that churches do in the community but there's lots of other social action projects in different places but food banks are having their busiest time ever Food banks are giving out more food parcels than they were at the height of the pandemic. And that gives you just an idea of the scale of the problems that many people are facing and many communities are facing. We know that the charitable sector in general is tired. It's had a it had a pandemic and then a cost of living crisis to deal with, that it's under-resourced, that many that as people get less money, they often are unable to give. So if you are able to give, now is a really important time to do it. There's also a bit of demoralization. There's a bit of just, does it keep going? Does it keep going? It's really important to offer support. It's really important to offer prayer. It's really important to do what you can. And just to say that people are appreciated. The people you may know in your your congregation, because congregations are often full of people who do their bit. Just say that you're appreciated and you keep them going is really important. Citizens Advice Bureau are the place to go in terms of getting help to maximise income so lots of people don't claim all the benefits they're entitled to. And sometimes that can be the difference between making it through and struggling. Obviously, there's food banks. There are various other places you can go and help inside communities. But I think one of the most important things we can do is to genuinely care and show that we care to the to people around us as we go. Great, thank you, Paul. And we'll include some links to some of those places you've mentioned in the, the show notes as well, if people want to find those. Um, I was just struck as well thinking uh, about this recently, that sometimes, you know, even in our own churches, there are people who are struggling, but perhaps wouldn't 
uh, want to make a big deal of it because they maybe think that there are others who are less fortunate than themselves? I think one of the things that changed me a lot was in a, uh, I gave a talk about benefit sanctions and I talked about them being others outside of the church who'd been exposed. And I was really pulled up when somebody afterwards really kindly and really respectfully told me their story. And I, and I would never have thought that in in that church. It looked lovely and middle class, but it is, but those sorts of experiences and that sort of struggle is much more widely spread than you think. And I would love for churches to be the one place where you're not ashamed to say it, where you are loved and respected. And that would be a great thing. I'm not sure it's there yet, but hopefully it will be. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate you taking the time to share with us. If you enjoy listening to the JPIT podcasts, why don't you tell your friends, share it on social media. Uh, we'd love other people to get the benefit of them as well. If you want to find out more information about the Joint Public Issues team, you can go to our website at jpit.uk. That's J-P-I-T dot U-K.